boom. Good morning, good morning. On today's show, I have special guest, Lucas Root. For over 17 years, Lucas led numerous teams on Wall Street. After establishing a consistent track record of success, Lucas started his own consulting business. Lucas works with strong brands with well-funded great ideas that don't quite know how to execute. Lucas has built a strong track record of success that also includes many speaking engagements, podcasts, publications, and his best-selling work-from-home course. Today, we discuss the edge of seeing patterns in society. Have a listen. Welcome to your Hidden Edge podcast, where there's a belief that each and every one of us has a hidden edge, one that could unlock that next level of success in any area of life. Unfortunately, that edge is hidden tucked away and buried deep underneath layers and layers. In this podcast, we'll uncover the hidden edge of high-performance leaders, executives, athletes, coaches, and authors to open your mind and stretch your frame of reality. If you know you want more, can do more, and be more, then this is the right podcast for you. Let's uncover your hidden edge. Welcome to the show. I am extremely excited to have special guest Lucas Root on the show. Lucas, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. That um, that that uh, little video of the guy jumping over the tire is awesome. That that hit <laughs> me up a little there. There you go. I'm glad it glad it fired you up some. Uh, so it let's did. let's let's dive right into your your hidden edge. I know you want to talk about patterns and how it gets into into community. I would love to hear. Your experience, what you, why you feel patterns and recognizing them and future patterns is your hidden edge, where it came from, and exposing the audience to some of your experiences. I love it. Thank you. Um, here's the thing. We, uh, we humans are actually really, really good at um, tracking a pattern, one in particular. Um, it's, 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 it's a thing we don't spend a lot of time talking about, but our brain actually is 100% optimized to do the math around um, throwing a spear. Okay. Kind of, kind of a cool little factoid, right? And um, throwing a spear is actually a really mechanically challenging thing to do well. Um, you have to understand the way that, um, you know, branches and leaves are going to intersect with that spear. You have to understand how the wind is going to play with it a little bit. Um, you have to be great at putting together a whole bunch of muscles and muscle groups and movements in order to be able to launch that spear. Um, you have to, I mean, the, the way that our brain puts all of that stuff together, it's actually really, truly extraordinary as an animal in nature. Um, lots of animals do cool things. Uh, and um, some of them are, are really, really cool. Um, very few animals are optimized to throw something. And that's part of the reason why we have this, you know, three pound meatloaf that we carry on top of our neck um, is to be able to put together that that one singular pattern, the, 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 the future projection of this thing that I'm holding in my hand and how that's going to bring my food home tonight. Um, so, I mean, that's where it comes from. And, and in that respect, I'm not unique. Every single one of us has that. And the, the people that focus on that innate ability, that, that, that thing that our brain actually was built to be great at, mm -hmm. um, we, we become really good at recognizing patterns. So we'll, we'll look at the way that things have happened in the past, right? And that's uh, effectively no different than learning how to be a good sports player, the way that things have happened in the past, and then trying to reproduce the way that those things are going to happen. If we do that exact same group of, of behaviors or activities or muscle movements or 
um, um, human interactions um, and and predicting with some degree of success and hopefully more than a little right predicting right. with some degree of success that if in fact I get good at reproducing this behavior that worked well for me or this action that worked well for me or this interaction that worked well for me if I get good at reproducing that then I know that I can get that result the thing when I say worked well for me, you got a result. I know that I can get that result again. Um, so everybody's good at that. Everybody. I'm, I'm not at all unique. What I've gotten very good at is taking a group of interactions, right? A pattern of, of things that have happened and seeing how those are going to play out over the future. Okay. I'm, I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know why I got good at that, but I'm really good at seeing how a, a group of patterns will project forward, which is really kind of cool. And it's also really kind of scary. <laughs> now, um, there's an inherent flaw with that. And we all know this. The future has infinite possibility. It really does. It's not actually just a thing we say. It really does. So yeah. somebody who's good at seeing how a pattern is going to play out over time, um, as that time projects further forward the opportunity for that to expand into truly infinite possibility becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And so um, my weakness, all of our weaknesses is if we think that we're good at seeing those patterns and tracking those patterns forward beyond now, right mm -hmm. into the future uh, at some point, and it's not very far away, that's going to become a calculation that's just too much for any one person to do. Gotcha. So here's this, this second pattern that, that you brought up. The second pattern is, well, if that's too big a calculation for any one person to do, what if two people are doing it? What if, what if three people are? What if five people are doing it? What if 15 people are doing it? Um, not just a hypothetical. It turns out that um, we're a whole lot better at doing things together than we are at doing things on our own. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're taught over and over and over again in society today that we're an island, that, that anything that you do, you have to be able to do it yourself. Um, and, and I recognize the, the wisdom of that statement. I really do. Um, over, over reliance on other people is a challenge. It's a problem. Um, but, and this is the big, but, but we, we just, aren't good at doing things all by ourselves. It's just not, it's not what we're good at. We are a pack animal. Um, we're, we're optimized to be a pack animal. Um, the irony is throwing a spear is worthless. It's absolutely worthless. It's completely useless, optimized brain pattern. It's a completely useless skill to have. If you can't, with a high degree of certainty, be sure that there is an animal to throw a spear at within spear distance. Right. And we don't do that very well. But 10 of us, 10 of us does that really well. And so the second pattern and 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 boy, did I learn this lesson hard. And I, you know, I'm 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 happy to share it, but I'm not proud of how hard it was for me to realize that um, our superpower as an animal is actually collaboration. It's not projectile management, right? It's not, our superpower is not throwing a spear. It's actually making sure that there's an animal within spear distance to throw at. That's our superpower. 
Interesting. So I, I love, I mean, it's so talking about throwing a spear. So I, I just did a Spartan race for the first time about two months oh, ago. Yeah. And, and there was the obstacle, right? I had to throw a spear, never thrown one in my life. And I had gotten through, it was probably like obstacle 10 or whatever. And I see everybody doing burpees and I'm like, all right, I'm hitting this target, right? I don't care what I, and you talk about it like now taking a deeper dive in, right? I, I thought about the weight. I mm-hmm. used my shoulder and I mm-hmm. stuck it and I was so proud of myself, but it's just so funny. You brought that up. It took me back to, to that race and that ability to do different things that we only are able to do in the world, right. As, as animals, that's, that's pretty interesting just to, just to kind of think about that as well as how we're taught, Hey, just, just go do it yourself, be on an Island and collaboration. I know I feel fuller and better when I'm working with others, when I can connect others, when we can have great conversations and, you know, you said, Hey, that, that guy jumping over a tire fire jump. Like when you have a great conversation, you collaborate with somebody, all of a sudden you're both ready to like run out of the tunnel onto the football field and tackle somebody. Cause you're feeling fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely, definitely feel that and understand uh, where that that's coming from. So I'd love to hear the story of, you know, kind of the pain you went through or, or whatever it might've been that really was the eye opener for you where it's like, Hey, I I don't need to be an Island. I need to be with others. Yeah. Happy to. Um, so I grew up in Northern Vermont, um, all the way in the middle of nowhere. Um, what's interesting about the town I grew up in is there are both more cows and more goats than there are humans in that town. And this is, this was true when I was growing up. It's still true today. (laughs) Um, so you know, the idea of living in a very, very small town seems a little bit daunting to us because most of us live in cities now. In fact, in our lifetime, Jeff, in our lifetime, the the, the balance shifted more than more than 50 percent of the population now lives in an urban center in a city mm-hmm. that happened in our lifetime. But when you grow up in the backwoods of nowhere, which is where I grew up, um, the, the the relationships that you have with your neighbors becomes something that's very, very important. Right. I use the word neighbors intentionally. Um, we're we're going to talk about collaboration and we're going to talk about what the name of humans in collaboration is. Um, it's very important to me. But uh, neighborhood is different from humans in collaboration. Um, but the relationship that you have with your neighbors is actually really important. You, ha- you have to be able to go share a cup of sugar. It's it's um, it's a it's a funny anecdote because it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 people that lived across the street from me when I grew up, um, they, 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 they're still there and they raise goats. Um, and, uh, you know, they manage some fields and make sure that the goats have enough hay to eat all the time. And, um, you know, they, they, there are, there are actual wolves in Vermont. Um, and so they have to manage the wolves and make sure that the wolves are alive and healthy so that, um, you know, rabbits don't overrun the, the hillsides, which is a real thing. They also have to make sure that the wolves don't prey on their goats. Mm -hmm. Um, and because they have goats, they have goat milk, goat cheese and goat meat. And so that was a piece of the interaction that we always had with them. We, we, we lived on a farm, we had grass, they had goats. That interaction was permanent and constant. And, um, the relationship around that interaction was permanent and constant. 
So I, I, I grow up, I become an adult, I go to school, go to school, and then I move to New York City, one of okay. the most densely populated areas in the world. Not right. the most, but one of. And uh, I'm in New York City, and in, instead of having two neighbors within bowshot of my home, um, now I have more than I can count within bowshot of my home. I'm truly more than I can get. There's no way you can actually count the number of people that were living within bowshot of me. And it was one of the most isolating experiences I've ever had in my life. Okay. Um, I was there 17 years because it took me a long time to really understand what I was missing. It took me a long time to really put my finger on the thing that I didn't, that I, that I had walked away from, not so much intentionally, because we're not taught this stuff. Yep. We're not taught that, um, that, that having a relationship with your nature is with your neighbor is in our nature. It's, it's something that, that our psyche, that our humanity actually expects of us. We're not taught this. So I moved to New York city. I had no friends. I had no family. I had no, um, I had no community. Okay. That's the, that's the key word. We're going to come back to community. I think a lot of times in this conversation, I had no community. Um, and because we aren't taught about this, it's not something I went around building. Okay. I didn't, I didn't spend time, um, building new best friendships and, um, sharing goat milk with my neighbor, um, figuratively or literally. And I didn't spend time on that because I, we're not taught to do that. We're not taught that we have to do that. We're not taught that, um, that our humanity relies on that, depends on that. And, um, in a very real sense, I was, um, each year that I was in New York City, I was becoming less and less truly human and more and more something else. Something um, maybe uh, analogous to human, something that looks like a human and sounds like a human and maybe even smells like a human. I suppose it depends on how good your smell is. <laughs> um, but but isn't. It's, it's something else, something missing, something really important, missing community, missing real, meaningful, close relationships, people that you can rely on, people who will prop you up when you're in trouble and share a cup of, of sugar when you need it. Um, not because walking to the grocery store, which is just downstairs, mm -hmm. is hard to do, but because the idea of sharing when you need it is central to our humanity. It's central to our, our, our expected experience of the world. So that's what I was missing. And it took me a long time to figure it out an embarrassingly long time. <laughs> um, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna, I was gonna say, and what was like the pain through that process? Did you just feel different? Did you, were you lonely? Were, what, what was the overall feeling? And then how did you get to a point where you're like, wait a second, this is, I, I know what's going on, or maybe, you know, it's a book you read or, or a podcast you listened to or something someone said that was like the light bulb went off and you said, I don't have that community that I used to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did feel different. Um, okay. So here are some things that I noticed and I'm still rebuilding that story in terms of a way to share it with the world. But here are some things that I have already rebuilt. Okay. Um, I was lonely. I, I met my wife there. I'm, I'm still with her. I got married. Uh, while I lived in New York City, I'm, and again, I'm still with her. That relationship is is core and central to to um, everything that I consider great. And one of the few truly amazing gifts that New York City gave me is mm -hmm. is 
the woman I love and married. Um, but I was lonely. You, you, you don't build your life around just one person. That's, that's not what humanity is supposed to be. Um, so I was lonely. I also was very reactive. And at the time, I didn't see that. I, I didn't see myself as reactive. I saw myself as, um, you know, just being a part of the world and behaving like other people behave. And they do. But here's why I was reactive. I was reactive because I was insecure. I what it's not a personality challenge. I am no longer insecure. Um, it's a situational challenge. I was insecure because um, my humanity was incomplete. I I didn't have a support system in place. I was insecure by definition and also in practice because of the fact that there was not somebody nearby that I could reach out to and say I need help. Gotcha. Um. And I mean, give that a moment, let it sink in for a little. Um, that is a really powerful um, missing ingredient in healthy security and in, in approaching the world in a way that is mentally stable. And yes, for those of you who are really listening, I am admitting that I was not mentally stable um, simply because I didn't have community. I didn't have uh, people who could say yes when I said I need help. I didn't gotcha. have that. Gotcha. So I guess uh, the follow-up question there would be, what do you define community as, right? Because I think so many people have different thoughts, different experiences, different ways that they interpret that. So how, how do you define it, Lucas? I love that. <laughs> um, I agree. I think a lot of people have different thoughts and experiences. Um, I think a lot of people have uh, unfortunately have allowed the idea of community, the entire concept of community to be relatively amorphous, right? Relatively poorly defined. Um, not because they're told to, <laughs> but because we're not told. We're not told that community is core, is central to our humanity, to our security in the world, to our understanding of the world, um, not from a reactive position, but from a position of um, comfortable confidence that whatever world I see tomorrow, whatever my experiences are tomorrow, I have, I have the, the three, four, five, ten people standing beside me who are going to make sure that there's an animal within spear distance for me. <laughs> I mean that very literally. Um, so at its core, at its base, community is um, a group of people who will pick up a spear with you and go hunting. Okay at its core, at its base. And if you don't have five to 10 to 30 people, you know, 30 people from whom five to 10 of them are always willing to pick up a spear and go hunting with you, then, then you are. And I say this with all the love in the world, because I've been there. If you don't have that, those 30 people from which five to 10 will go hunting with you, then you are insecure. And all of your interaction with the world around you, you should view as suspect. You should, you should consider all of your interaction as potentially being reactive instead of proactively secure, right? How am I being reactive in this situation? How is my insecurity from a lack of community causing me to be reactive? How am I potentially inflaming my interaction with this other person because of the fact that I'm reactive, I'm insecure, 
And again, I say this with all the love of somebody who's been through it. I spent a decade like that in one of the most densely populated cities in the world, being alone and insecure because I was alone. Um, now, it's hard to look at the world through the lens of who will pick up a spear and go hunting with me. Right. We, we live in a world where that's a really challenging notion. So I've defined it in a different way. And, and I, I believe this definition is a modern definition that people can really take and run with. There are five elements of community. You must have all five of these in place in order for you to know that truly you have community. Okay. Uh, number one, uh, you probably have noticed this when you're sitting around the table with your family, you speak a different language. It's still English, but you speak a different language than what you speak when you're at school or when you're at work. The reason for that is that, and you might call this dialect, we develop a unique common language inside of the community that we're in. Okay. It's a thing we do. And that's an element that tells you that community is present. It's not necessarily the only thing that must be present, but that tells you that community is present. We've started to develop a language. We have acronyms. We have stories. We can tell a whole story with just one word. Hey, you remember that time of boom. Right. And that whole story just runs through your head. That is a unique common language. It's a beautiful thing. Um, number two, a purpose. You, if you have no purpose, you are not a community. Um, and in this way, and it's very true in this way, some families are not community. I weep for those families. Some families are truly community, and I celebrate with those. Um, some work is not community. It's an interesting thing to think about when you go to work and you have colleagues that you've sat next to every day, day after day for years. We don't share a purpose. We are not community. Interesting. Hmm. Um, purpose is number two. Number three is projects. We must do things together that advance the purpose. It must advance the purpose. So what's interesting about this is um, many online Facebook groups are not community. If they don't do things together that advance the purpose, even though they're all there in the Facebook group and they all believe in the same thing, mm -hmm. they are not community. Number four, value. Value is a really cool one. Value ends up being a limiting factor, um, not by definition, but just by, uh, you know, just by function, by happenstance. Okay. Um, the each person must contribute and receive value, contribute and receive. And that value needs to be shared, which means, Jeff, if you and I are standing shoulder by shoulder and we are trying to be members of a community together, you personally need to receive value from me showing up. You personally, not necessarily the founder or the leader or the owner of the community, but you personally need to receive value from me personally showing up. Gotcha. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. I love that one. Um, so in a family that is an actual community, that means that my brother, my sister, my father, they actually care that I'm there. Not just because I'm family, but because they get real value from my membership in that family community. Um, and then the fifth one, and this is very cool, um, is, and I just brought it up, is, is common heart. Um, and that's a placeholder because we don't actually have a word in English for this element. Um, it is one element, but it's a complex one. Um, and that is you have to 
make space within yourself to receive care from the community, right? So I've, I've mentioned the idea of sharing sugar or sharing goat milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to allow for the fact that the community will sometimes bring you goat milk. And, that, and that's part of the value that you receive. And you have to make space for that so that they will. You also have to give care, right? So you need to bring goat milk to the community from time to time and you have to care about it. Um, it has to be important and, and not just transactional, but actually important to you at, inside, right? So there's sharing care. It's bi-directional. Um, there's enrollment. It's bi-directional. It's all part of this common heart thing. Um, and then there's this commitment to do the right thing when you're in the community, when you're working on those projects, when you're engaging in that purpose, this commitment to do the right thing um, for the community, not just for yourself. So those are the five elements. Um, Language, purpose, projects, value, and heart. Love it. And I I love the last one, right? Being open to receiving. And I would say so many times that's, I know personally, I've struggled with that one, right? Of being open for someone else giving, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way I was raised is especially being a male right? It's no, mm. I can do every, right? I mean, that, that that's an, a, a longer discussion we could have, you know, the differences there, because I would say men tend to say, nope, I'm good. I don't need the help where truly they could. And I think that's why so many men suffer, you know, that quiet iso- isolation, depression, and, and so much mental pain because they've been taught or society has taught them, well, when you take help, it's, it's a sign of weakness. It's actually not mm-hmm. right. So, uh, love that you, you dove into that one and, and those five, uh, five elements for sure. What, uh, you know, if, if people want to search out you and hear more about community and how you do things, where, where can people find you? Because I've loved the discussion about it. It's really opened my eyes to, you know, the elements and, and thinking about it, especially even for my family, right? I've got two boys, 14 and 12, um, and, and just thinking about that and our interactions, but where can, uh, where can people find you? Yeah. Awesome. Um, I, I do a podcast. So like you, I, I try to share my ideas to people that, that want to hear them. The podcast is elements of community.us. Um, and I chose us on purpose cause it's us. There you go. Elements awesome. of community.us. Awesome. Lucas. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. This was fun. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your day. Rise, fight, love, repeat. Get after it. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to your Hidden Edge podcast. You are now part of the movement, part of a tribe who's on a mission to uncover their hidden edge. We are stronger together. So please share this. Show up with one person in your network that you want to help. Together, we can empower others and connected, we can make a dent in the universe.